Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Greetings. This is Marcus Staples, your servant Jesus Christ, coming to you with another edition of Unpacking the Theology, the show that unpacks the reason behind the rhyme in Christian hip-hop. It's that time of year again. Last Wednesday, according to the Roman Catholic calendar, was Ash Wednesday. That means we're counting down to Easter. That's right, this is the season of Lent. So in honor of that, we're going to be taking a trip to the cross. I'm not a Roman Catholic. I just want to make that plain and clear. But I did figure this was a pretty good opportunity to open a series and to talk more about Christ. Because you don't really need an excuse to talk about Christ. But it doesn't hurt when you have one. So we're going to be taking a trip to the cross. And we're going to be doing this in six tracks for the six weeks of Lent. Covering Shylin's album, The Atonement, put out by Lent Mode Recordings. This album itself walks us through the cross and its mission. On today's show, we're going to be unpacking the first track, In Adam All Die. There's a lot in this song, and I mean a lot. And because I don't want this episode to last forever, we're probably going to be revisiting it sometime in the future. But for now, we're going to take a quick look at it without going too in-depth. Nevertheless, there's a lot to cover here, so let's just get straight down to it. Our scripture verse was heard at the beginning of this episode, and it's read at the beginning of this song by Stephen the Levite. But I'm going to read it again. It comes out of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. It reads, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. While these verses are not the theme of this chapter or even of this specific passage of text, they do address a very important issue, and that's the sin problem. In the intro chapters to the book of Romans, Paul hammers on this idea that all are sinful and all are wicked and all, Jew and Gentile, are sold under sin. Sin is a problem for every single human being. Everybody does it. We even did a short series on sin in earlier episodes, and if you want to find it, you can head over to our website, unpackingthetheology.wordpress.com, and under the filters, look for the heading Sin, and you can see our episodes on that. But in this song, Shylin is addressing the problem of sin, but not just the problem, the origin thereof. He does this in three points, and each point corresponds to a verse in the song. First, the guilt of humanity. Second, Adam's sin that brought sin into the world. And third, how that sin affects us today. So he starts by talking about the guilt of humanity. We all know inside that we don't live up to even our own moral standards. This goes for believers and unbelievers alike. No matter how hard we try, we always feel guilty when we make a mistake. When we don't do something we said we were going to do, or when we've wronged somebody, there's always a pang of guilt inside of us. But where does that pain of guilt come from? Unbelievers will try to make us believe that that comes from conditioning. As as we grow older, society tells us we ought to live one way, and when we don't, then we feel guilty. But the truth is, scripture gives us an answer to why we feel guilty when we know that we sin. 
And that's because the law of God is written on our hearts. Paul says in Romans chapter 2, For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. In C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, the whole first section of the book is dedicated to this idea that there is a law of morality that we all know no matter where we live or what time period or what culture we live in. We all know that we ought to live up to this standard. He calls it right and wrong as a clue to the meaning of the universe. So in spite of knowing the difference between right and wrong, why do we still refuse to believe that we're going to be held accountable? God has made himself known plainly to us through his creation. And we understand through our reasoning that if there's a crime, there must be justice for that crime. They use this in movies and television as a major plot point, where somebody will do something heinously wrong and they'll feel this pain of guilt, and then they'll try to atone for that guilt on their own by either sacrificing themselves or putting themselves in harm's way in order to save another. That's the sense of justice that they're trying to appeal to. And that's inherent inside of all of us. We know that justice must be served and that justice must be judged. The sad part is the non-believers think that they're the ones who are the judge in this case and can assign their own punishment for their wrongdoing. But on a smaller scale, we try to look over this sense of judgment, even though deep down we know it's coming. And the reason we ignore it is because we know that our deeds are evil. And we don't want to answer for those evil deeds. Paul also writes in Romans, in chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We're depraved, and we're depraved because we're slaves to sin. The Apostle John records Jesus saying this in his gospel in chapter 8, And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So we have this sin problem. Whether we're Christians or not, we understand this problem at some level because the law of God is written on our hearts. But we choose to ignore and push aside the judgment of God because we're slaves to the sin and we want to keep living in it. So where did this sin problem come from? Well, that leads us to our second point. Adam's sin brought sin to the world. God created the world and human beings as perfect, and he made man to have perfect union with him. In Genesis chapter 1, it is written, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them one command, and that one command was to not eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden. This is known in covenant theology as the covenant of works. The covenant of works refers to the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in their pristine purity before the fall in which God promised the blessedness contingent upon their obedience to his command. 
The problem is Adam and Eve didn't obey his command. They were deceived by Satan and therefore became cursed, not getting what the serpent had promised them if they were to eat the fruit. And as a result, Adam and Eve saw their guilt and they tried to cover it up. And then on top of that, they tried to shift the blame. Now the passage that this comes out of can be found in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read the whole section. Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden. But Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Now look how Adam responds to this. This is him shifting the blame. The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then Yahweh God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. See, we do this same type of thing even to this day. Adam and Eve's guilt is in us inherently. For example, when we're out with our friends and we do something wrong, and then we try to convince ourselves or convince our parents that, hey, I only did this because my friends did this, and I didn't want to be left out of the group or look uncool. Or when we commit a sexual sin and we say, well, it's everywhere. It's on TV. It's on billboards. I can't get away from it. And, you know, I just fell into it and it wasn't my fault. If it wasn't around me, then I wouldn't have done it. Well, the blame still falls on you and we can't shift the blame. When we do that, we're just like Adam and Eve. Their sin has been perpetuating through us, through all generations. So how is this sin problem, this Adam and Eve, how, how does that affect us? What is, how does that directly relate to us? Well, the story of Adam and Eve is relevant because Adam represented what we call our federal head. Here's a definition I found. Paul teaches that God deals with the human race under a system known as federalism. Simply put, federalism has to do with representation with one person acting on behalf of another. God has appointed two representatives in history, Adam and Christ. Adam did not represent the race well. He disobeyed God, and as a result, all of his descendants are born with an inclination to sin, and they all share in his guilt and suffer the same penalty he received, death. And in this case, verse 12 refers to our passage from today that came out of Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. There's another word that's important to understand in this whole situation, and that's the word imputation. And this is how we use the word imputation in Christianity. Imputation is used to designate any action or word or thing as reckoned to a person. Thus, in doctrinal language, 
The sin of Adam is imputed to all his descendants, i.e. it is reckoned as theirs, and they are dealt with, therefore, as guilty. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to them that believe in him, or so attributed to them as to be considered their own, and our sins are imputed to Christ, i.e. he assumed our law place, undertook to answer the demands of justice for our sins. In all these cases, the nature of imputation is the same. Now, there are a lot of people out there who claim that this isn't fair. Just because Adam sinned, why am I being punished for it? And the truth is, our perception of fairness is fallen. So how can we even question God's justice in this whole thing? We're viewing it from a flawed perspective. That would be like a blind person trying to make an argument that blue is not blue. Well, how would a blind person know if they've never seen blue or red or any other color for that matter? They can't argue better that blue is blue than a person who can see with clarity that blue is blue. That's what our sin does to us. It's so massive that we can't understand God's justice and how it's fair that Adam's sin counted for us. But, that being said, because of the federal headship and imputation, Christ is able to take all of our sin upon himself and give us his righteousness. And that's what we should look to, the second Adam. For saving from our sin. Now that's it. This song doesn't carry on much to the solution, but its whole focus is to present the problem. This album is a story, remember, and so each song is going to play a piece to the puzzle, and it's going to lead us to and through the cross. On the next episode, we'll be digging into the effects of the sin problem. But that's all for now. If you're interested in hearing this song or looking for a link to purchase the album, The Atonement, You can find a link on our website, unpackingthetheology.wordpress.com, or in the episode feed. And as always, if you have any songs that you would like us to unpack, or you have any questions or comments about the feed, or want to start a discussion with any of the other listeners, head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash unpackingthetheology. We hope you can join us for our next unpacking. Thank you, and God bless. The problem with the human race is not most deeply that everybody does various kinds of sins. Behind all of our depravity, behind all of our guilt, behind all of our personal sinning, there is this mysterious connection or union with Adam, our father, who sinned, and we being in him in some mysterious way also sinned and died and are condemned. What Christ has done for all who are in Him is far greater than what Adam did for all who were in Him. It's all about the superiority of the work of Christ for those who are in Him over against what happened to all who were in Adam. Adam.